Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Achieve Your Best. My name is Ellie Nieves and I'm a speaker, a writer, and a leadership coach. I'm also the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women, where I coach women and entrepreneurs so that they can develop the confidence and leadership skills that they need to achieve their best in every area of their lives. To learn more about Leadership Strategies for Women, you can check out my webpage at www.leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. I'm very excited about our show today because we're doing something a little different. Rather than having our usual one guest on the show, today we have four guests. That's right, four dynamic women, entrepreneurs who are going to share their stories with you and share some practical insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And my goal with this show is not so much to provide you with a set of how-tos on launching a business, but rather my goal is to paint a realistic picture for you of what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. What are some of the life circumstances that can cause you to even make that decision to become an entrepreneur and also to inspire you with the stories of the women that we'll speak to today? So the topic of our show today is Succeeding Against the Odds. Advice from Women Entrepreneurs Who Are Living Their Dreams. Our four guests are Denise Bolds, who's an activist, parent advocate, public speaker, and an author. Tracy Humphreys, who's a network marketer and motivational speaker. Maisha Rodriguez, who's an attorney at law. And Dr. Angelus Otero, a pediatrician. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's wonderful to have you all on, and to make the show as comprehensive as possible, I'm going to interview each of you individually for a few minutes each, and then we'll open up to some general questions at the end. So we're going to start with Denise Bolts. Denise is a single black parent of a son who's a college sophomore. Ms. Bowles is also a community activist, a parent advocate, a public speaker, and an author. Ms. Bowles' first book, Raising Princes to be Kings, the Black Single Mother's Guide to Raising Her Black Son. Ms. Bowles holds a master's degree in social work, and she has worked as a medical social worker for 10 years. She's now a Ph.D. candidate. Raising Princes to Be Kings is a guide for black mothers and the relationship with their sons. Denise, welcome to the show again. Thank you, Ellie. It's a pleasure. Well, Denise, the first question I want to ask you is, what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? You know, I've I've put in so much energy for so many years onto other people's projects, and life circumstances changed my uh, lifestyle where I got laid off from my job, and people said, you know what, you should get out here and really work for yourself. And I had to learn what that means, and I had to really undo years of training of, of having the mindset of working for someone else. So uh, I ventured out here on faith after my job uh kind of phased out, and I've been doing this now for almost two years. Wow, and when you say having to change your mindset, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, we're all in the corporate setting of the mindset of, you know, performance evaluation, sitting at the same desk, wearing the suit, you eat the same breakfast, you interact with the same people, you drive the same street to get to that job every day, and there is a certain mindset of how you acclimate into a big corporation, you kind of lose your identity if you're not careful. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a great point that you make there. And tell me, what kind of support did you need when you finally made that decision to become an entrepreneur? <laughs> I went around and I talked with everyone. And I also read a very good book by Russell Simmons called Do You? And in reading that book, uh, Mr. Simmons talks about how you have to really set up an environment for the prosperity and for the project that you want to be yours. So I had to surround myself with very positive thinking people. I had to surround myself with very positive and influential women who were willing to share their knowledge. And I really had to walk away from a lot of old tendencies and a lot of very familiar and comfortable people because they were not coinciding with the mindset and the, the actual progression of my goal of what I wanted. Wow, that's great. And how difficult was that for you to have to make some of those changes in terms of relationships and mindset? 
it was very difficult because you know I'm I have a personality where I I don't make change very easily, <laughs> but uh, at the same time I realized that if this is what I want and it feels so right, then this is what I have to do. So it really was challenging, um, uh, and people who are not in the business. They really didn't understand as well, so I had to try to explain it to them, not in a condescending tone, but as far as a lifestyle choice. It's almost like I'm now not a cigarette smoker, so I, it's not really good to hang out with a bunch of cigarette smokers. Right, right. And what are some of those obstacles that you've had to overcome since you made the decision to become an entrepreneur? I really have to trust myself. And I really have to be very systematically selective on whom the advice is coming from to me. So uh, when I ask certain women, when I ask certain people for their, their knowledge, for their experiences, for their networking, I have to be very careful on whom I'm asking because not all information is good information and not all information is relative, nor can I use it all. So I have to be very selective in that process. And, and tell me about what you felt like when you got laid off. Because I think that's like one of those places that a lot of people today can really relate to that. Because I think a lot of people have gotten laid off. A lot of people have lost their jobs because of the economy. And they've had a difficult time trying to find something new, and they're actually considering starting a business for themselves, but the economy is still not great. So it's almost like you feel like you're in a catch-22. How did you make that decision and said to yourself, you know what, I need to go in this direction no matter what happens despite what's just happened to me? It was very frightening because that safety net of your job is gone. So I was very grateful that I listened to advice from people in the past, and I, I put in quite a bit of money into a 401K, so I was paying myself. So that was a very good cushion I had to um, keep me going for a little while. Um, but the safety net of not having health insurance or not having personal days or paid holidays um, and all the other little perks that your employer can give you was gone. So for a moment, I felt like, where's my identity? I'm no longer associated or affiliated with this company. Who is Denise Bowles? And I had to pull back a little bit and say, okay, Denise Bowles can do this, 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 this. Her strengths are this, 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 this. And uh, her goal or what she wants to do is this, 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 this. And how does she get there? So I really kind of had to be a little bit more retrospective and, and really pull back and, and focus on Denise because for so long I was part of a, of a company, I was part of an industry that, as I said earlier, you do lose your identity if you're not careful. And how long did that process take for you? Oh, it took about a year. It took about a year so that I didn't see my, my former company's logo and flinch or if I saw ex coworkers on the street, the first thing out of their mouths is, you look great. And I guess I was supposed to look haggard I guess I was supposed to look you know ragged and, and depressed and I said you know there's a life after so-and-so and they all laughed they said you know you look really happy <laughs> so it took about a year and you just made a really great point when you said it took a while before you could see your company's logo and that flinch I mean those are the realities you know I, I've coached several women in the past several months who have been laid off and even the sounds of their company's name just makes them, you know, feel horrible, makes, feel, make, <laughs> makes their skin crawl. And there are some resentments sometimes that uh, can hold you back unless you harness those resentments and convert them into positive energy versus just letting them hold you back. Right. And unfortunately, society, you know, it's the whole thing that I'm still being asked, do you have a job? Are you working? What are you doing? And it's, you know, they are so used to the traditional nine-to-five corporate building that you drive to, and that's your job, kind of like Fred Flintstone in a, in a rock quarry, you know, and, <laughs> and that's the mindset. But when, when you tell them, well, I'm working for myself and I'm starting this project, and they're looking at you like, oh, yeah, you're not doing anything. I've never worked so hard now as working for myself than I did for a corporation. And that is some unique insight that people don't have when they start working for themselves. They imagine getting up whenever they want. They imagine, you know, going for long walks. Or um, <laughs> I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs, especially now with this Facebook community that I'm in, I see a lot of entrepreneurs uh, fashioning themselves as lifestyle entrepreneurs. So right. they're claiming to be successful, but they're off, uh, you know, sailing on boats and having a wonderful time because they claim to be making all this money. But – 
before you make that money and before you can acquire that lifestyle, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Now, what, what has that been like for you? The lifestyle has been very challenging. I'm still a single parent. My son is in college. My focus and my, my emphasis is on his well-being to build his future. Right now, that's very important. I want him to have the ability to go off and be a productive, strong black man who has something to offer his future wife. So it's very, very important that you know I don't lose that retrospect and, and understanding that his college education is very, very important, and I can't just give up everything because I lost my job through a phase-out and so many things happen and life has changed. I still have to keep going, and in doing that, it's been uh, a, a huge change for myself because I wouldn't have been able to be as creative or be as focused on myself if I still were in that corporate treadmill. Right. Thank you so much, Denise. You've given us a lot of great insight, and I definitely want to bring you back at the end of the, of the interview. Thank you. Now, we're going to bring on Tracy Humphreys, and Tracy is often referred to as a dynamic motivational speaker and an energetic people person. Tracy takes pride in helping mobilize others, either through her therapeutic group work, her daily blogs, or her quest to help bring financial independence to those who need it the most. Tracy is passionate about bringing out the entrepreneurial spirit in others. Tracy graduated from Long Island University, the Brooklyn campus with a bachelor's degree in journalism, and since then she's worked at ABC uh, in the Good Morning America show and WPIX in production. And in 2006, after years of yearning to be an entrepreneur, Tracy decided to leave television and venture into the mortgage industry. After the financial industry took a downturn, Tracy was introduced to network marketing. Tracy, I'm bringing you on air, and my first question to you is, where did your yearning to become an entrepreneur come from? Hi, Ellie. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the call today. Um, my yearning basically came from um, having a uh, – always being an independent individual. I love um, – having control of my destiny basically um you know when in in my work in my work career and all the jobs i've had over the years i've basically uh worked best when um i had my own autonomy i, I excelled at, at everything so i just enjoy having my freedom and my time oh, that's great and what are some of the steps that you took to launch your business. You're in network marketing now. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you got there? Yeah, uh, I got there. Well, I got there because of, like you said, the downturn in the uh, in the mortgage industry. And what I had to do initially, it wasn't. It was definitely not something in my plans. But what I had to do was, I had to take a step back and really think about um, where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And what I did was I researched the industry. And what I learned about the network marketing industry is regardless of the economy, what's going on in the, the economy, it's, it's a very booming uh, industry. So what I did is basically I sat with my husband and we uh, made some decisions, made some plans together and uh, I started to talk to different uh, individuals about success-minded uh, individuals in the industry, and they gave me a lot of insight on, on the industry and, and how the industry works. And I just went into learning mode. I learned everything that I could. I got involved with training and, and coaching and uh, currently I'm reading three books. Um, the one is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Another one is John C. Maxwell, his book on uh, developing leaders around you. And Gary Vaynerchuk, um, uh, he, is, uh, a, he has a, a book called Crush It, and that's basically all about um, developing a brand online. Wow, those are great resources. Thank you for sharing those. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the obstacles that you're working through as you continue to develop your business? Well, some of the obstacles that you go through is managing your time. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, a lot of people 
think that you just you're just sitting around like you said on boat rides and and you're just living this this life and having all this freedom but when you're an entrepreneur you it's it's essential that you structure your time and you value your time. Um, I'm, I'm a people person, a very empathetic person, so sometimes you, it's very easy to waste time on the phone and, uh, you know, you know, being at appointments and just kind of hanging out, but, you know, being in command of your time um, has been uh, the most challenging for me, and I continue to work on that every day. <laughs> And, and tell me, one of the things that you said was that you had to sit down and work this out with your husband. Mm-hmm. How was that conversation? Well, the conversation, surprisingly, was um, pretty easy because my husband understands my personality, and he knew, he saw the dissatisfaction that I had working a nine-to-five um Denise mentioned earlier that when you're in a a a job you're basically identified by your job and after a while you do tend to lose your identity and and what I wanted to do most is help people so my husband uh knew that about me before we even sat down and had that talk and what we basically did is we went into a mode of figuring out um, a five-year plan of how we were going to, uh, you know, put things together financially until we got our business off the ground because it, it literally takes a, a good five years um, for you to really get in the mode of figuring out where you want to be, what you want to do, setting your plans forward. So, yeah, we had a we have our five-year plan, and we pretty much went about it that way. And how do you feel how important do you feel it was for you to have that conversation with your husband? It was extremely important because he is my cheerleader in this business. We work together in this and if he's uncomfortable or unhappy with what I'm doing, then you know, nothing that I do is going to be uh is is going to be exciting or or it's going to be easy to build. You need your partner or you need your loved one's support behind you in order to be successful in, in what you do, or else it's going to be like pretty much having cement blocks on your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good analogy there. That's really good. And um, I just want to take you back just a little bit, uh, back to when you were working uh, a full-time job. Mm-hmm mentioned about uh, your desire to be independent. Uh, what, you know, what was the trigger? Because I know, I know how you made the change from uh, the mortgage industry to network marketing, but when you were working the nine-to-five job, or maybe probably a little bit more because of production, what was the trigger? What was going on maybe in your day-to-day that made you say, you know what, I need to do this for me? Well, my trigger is I love to help people. Uh, when you're in a job, your your focus is doing the job. I like to uh, motivate and inspire people. Not that you can't do that with the people around you on your job, but there's a certain mentality with the people that you work with. So what I had to do, why I ventured out is because I figured that being outside of a nine-to-five, I would be able to touch a lot more lives. Um, in you know, when I was doing the mortgage industry, there were, there were, I touched people's lives uh, financially on so many different levels. Um, your, your exposure to people outside of your job is really tremendous, and you have the ability just to be open and free and explore a little more. When you're in a job, you don't really have the opportunity to um, really, you know, really branch out as an individual. Everything is very structured, and your time, uh, let me just go into time a little bit. I mean, we can, we can buy things, we can uh, go places, but time is something that once it's gone, you'll never get back. And so while I'm in a stage of my life where I'm energetic and and want to help as many people, I needed to do that outside of a job. Wow, that's great. And and I think that that is important. I think it really uh, gives some value to the phrase that time is money. 
because it really is money and it really does cost you something, not only financially, but on a personal level in terms of what you're giving up and what pieces of you you're losing, which is, I think, something that Denise also alluded to when we spoke to her. Yes, definitely. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, and I'll definitely bring you back online at the end of our interview. Thank you very much. And I want to bring Maisha Rodriguez on the line. Maisha, are you there? Hi, Ellie, I am. Thanks for having me, and, and I'm enjoying listening to everybody else's input. Well, I'm glad you're on, and I just want to uh, let our listeners know that if they are interested in asking any of our guests questions, you're welcome to do so. If you're on the line calling, you could just press 1, and I can bring you on the air. You can ask your question live, or you can also uh, write your question in our live chat room that we have on the Blog Talk Radio page. So please feel free if you have any questions. So Maisha is a graduate of Pace University's School of Law in White Plains, New York, and Ms. Rodriguez has been practicing law for almost 13 years. Most recently, prior to establishing her solo practice, Ms. Rodriguez served almost five years of her career as Associate General Counsel to the United Nations Federal Credit Union, assisting in all legal business matters of the credit union. And Ms. Rodriguez is admitted to the New York State Courts, the Federal Courts of the Southern and Eastern Districts of New York, and the Connecticut State Courts. Maisha, welcome again to the show. Thanks, Ellie. So, Maisha, why did you leave a secure job as Associate General Counsel to start a solo practice? And that sounds like a question my parents would ask me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always wanted to have my own business as far as I can remember, uh, whether it was going to be a law practice or an entertainment complex or a restaurant. I knew I was going to be my own boss at some point. Um, I even majored in business management with a concentration in entrepreneurship in undergrad, even though I knew I was going to law school. But entrepreneurship was always just innate, innate to me. Um, so when an opportunity came along that provided a, a very flexible schedule and allowed me to make a very good income with medical without having to work a 40-hour work week, after several weeks of tossing and turning and thinking about it, and everything that goes along with leaving that secured position that Denise spoke about, I felt I had enough security at that point to, to finally hang up my shingle and focus on my dream of building my own business, my solo law practice. And what are some of the steps that you took to launch your business? Um, of course, education and, and 10 years of experience in the, the practice of law with firms and in-house positions was a, a, obviously a solid foundation. But um, the work that I was doing after I left my full-time position allowed me to connect with a lot of other attorneys who helped me along my journey um, with client referrals, uh, providing just experience and advice. And in that, that time, I would meet at least five to ten new people every single day. So in summary, I made sure I still had some income outside of my business. I also made connections with professionals in the field, and I made sure almost everyone I encountered now has my business card. And that's so. just an important thing that you just said about making sure that you still had income coming in. I think there's a misconception out there that when you start your own business, you automatically landed in a pot of money and that you're okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Especially not in this economy. Um, and can you tell me what some of that financial planning might have been, what some of some of your thinking was when you finally made that decision? Um, I'll be honest with you, uh, there wasn't much planning, but um, as I said, that opportunity that came along uh, allowed me to, you know, get some money every day, and, and that was able to sustain my family and take care of the bills, and um, because because that position relied on the real estate market, when the market dropped, so did that income. And that was a tough a tough uh, pill to swallow, but you know what? Two years later, I still kept going, and I still have my business. Great. And tell me, what keeps you motivated and inspired, especially given the economy and given your experience seeing an economy go up and go down? What keeps you inspired and pressing forward? Obviously, favorable outcomes for my clients and the trust and appreciation that they show. Um, you know, obviously, every case, every transaction doesn't always work out perfectly, but when they do, it's just a reminder that this is what I love to do and, and I don't want to give it up. 
but more importantly, just being available for my family and my children and, and being able to kind of control my schedule so that I can be there for them, and as well as just being a positive inspiration for them, for them to see me doing what I need to do to keep our lives in order. That's that's all motivating for me. That's wonderful. And what kind of support have you needed as um, you, you've taken this venture on? The the biggest support for me is encouragement. Um, that's key for me. And you, you have to have someone behind you that supports your decisions. Um, for me, it's my mom. And sh- she's the one that tells me when, when I have those days where I'm struggling and I'm questioning whether I should take a different path, whether I really need to make sure I got a paycheck every Friday from a big corporation. She's the one that listens and, and helps me remember the benefits of having my own business and why overall I enjoy doing what I do and, and that this is where I'm supposed to be at this time in my life. So encouragement, um, as, as Tracy mentioned, <clears throat> the support of your loved ones, that cement block analogy is is right on point because you do need to have those people who have your back and encourage you to keep doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's uh, really important that you just mentioned the, the difficult times because there are times, I believe, as an entrepreneur that you stop and you question, what the heck am I doing? That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. And how how many times have you had conversations like that with yourself? Oh, it's weekly. <laughs> it's weekly, but in the same token, at some point during that week, again, it, it reminds me, no, you know what? I'm loving this life. And isn't that interesting that you could be in the middle of something that causes you, you know, the occasional prick and pain, but at the same time, you would never let it go. And that's right. I, I don't regret leaving my job three years ago at all. Yeah, there's like this like interesting tension, and and I've I've uh, gotten that from entrepreneurs, both men and women, at all stages of their uh, careers, uh, as entrepreneurs. And the one thing that they all say is, "There's no turning back. There's no turning back." Right. It's it's very difficult, and when you do have those days that you think maybe I should look for a job, maybe I should look for a job, and then you really think about it, it, it would be really tough to go back to that that lifestyle and as Denise mentioned that mentality because Mm -hmm. this entrepreneurial life is so different and and so much more fulfilling. And what do you find has been one of the most uh, rewarding lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Wow. Um, Again, just being able to, to do what you do and see it work and people benefit from it and know that, that you were the one that had the hand in that, and, and not for any kind of accolades, but just you're, doing what you, you're just doing what you do, and you enjoy doing it, and benefits are flowing from it. And would you also say, um, and this is because I know you personally, uh, but would you also say that maybe you've developed kind of like um, a survival instinct? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, one of my, my favorite words these days is resourceful. Um, in, in these days, in business, in economy, you have to be resourceful. So it, it is. there are some survival skills needed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Maisha, thank you so much for your time, and I'll bring you back at the end of the show. Thank you. Thank you. And now we have Dr. Angeles Otero. Uh, Dr. Otero, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Great for having you here. And uh, Dr. Otero is a graduate of the NYU Medical School, and she completed her residency at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Dr. Otero has been practicing medicine for almost 11 years, and she served almost seven years of her career as a pediatrician for the Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx in New York. And she recently moved to Florida, where she's in the process of launching her own solo medical practice. Dr. Otero, what inspired you to start your own medical practice? Well, for me, uh, a lot of things fell into place at the same time. It's interesting hearing the other women speak because I really never had the dream of starting my own practice. And um, let me first start by saying that my generation of doctors 
has been instilled with a fear of how difficult it is to start a practice or or be in a solo practice or buy a practice from someone else. And so actually the percentage of younger doctors that are setting up a private practice is dwindling. And so for me, as I said, a lot of things fell into place at the same time. Um, what started happening is I, I started becoming disappointed with the aspects of working for other people, and I felt like my voice wasn't being heard. I also I felt that I was being held back from practicing medicine in a way that was in keeping with my beliefs and desires. And um, the, the timing sort of seemed to fit because while I was at my last job, as I was realizing that this was sort of where I'd be stuck, not not really pursuing what I wanted to do, but sort of just working for someone else and doing what they wanted me to do. Well, at that time, my husband was laid off. And with the way the economy was going, he was one of those people that was also having a rough time finding a job. And it just sort of made me stop and think, well, you know, maybe I could do this. Maybe maybe this is the time that that's being set up for us and he my husband has a masters in um in business and so we had a long conversation lots of prayer and we just decided let's go ahead let's go for it and um and actually make this into a partnership wow that's awesome and i'm going to ask you the similar question uh, that i asked tracy how important was it for you to have that conversation with your husband well, it was it was very important because he really is my partner in this endeavor. I could not do it without him. I he he does sort of the nuts and bolts, and I I do a lot of the medical aspects, the the things that you know I use my profession, the things that I'm in. It's my expertise in terms of medical billing or the things that we need to physically get the practice going. But he's the one that's speaking to the contractor, you know, setting up the phone company, uh, setting up the website, just all those things. So he does a lot of the nuts and bolts. And so it was very important because we both had to feel like this is something we want to get on board together. That's great. And the reason why I want to bring that out is um, a few years ago I remember sitting on a panel uh, with a woman um, who was married and we were all talking about our relationships with our spouses and how it impacts our careers and this woman just seemed very, really adversarial about her husband just putting up with the decisions that she had to make and, you know, this is my life, this is my career, and you just need to deal with me and what I do, and if that means you have to stay home with the kids, and that means you have to stay home with the kids. It's, like, very angry. Mm-hmm. I think one of the points I want to make is that it's very important that you be in partnership with your spouse because mm-hmm. once you tie yourself to someone eternally because the vows say forever, <laughs> that, you know, that it's really important that you work in partnership together in order to make things happen and that you take each other into consideration. It's not just about you fulfilling your role by yourself. If you've agreed to have this eternal partnership with each other, you really need to support each other and also consider how it's going to impact your spouse and your family. And uh, that's what marriage is. You know, if if you don't want to have that kind of partnership, you should probably not be married. Yeah, I agree, and I think that for me, it's I look at him almost daily and think I could not do this without you because there's so much that I don't have to worry about because I know he's he's taken over it, and so uh, I we're really going the way I see it. It's not as if I'm over him. We're just we're doing this together. Right, that's great. And what keeps you focused and moving forward? Because right now you're in an interesting. Space, right? Because you're now, you haven't actually opened your doors yet. So you're in those very beginning stages of opening the practice. So what keeps you focused and moving toward your goal? Well, yeah, and it's interesting hearing everyone else um, speak. It's actually been an encouragement to me because we should be opening sometime within the next two to four weeks, and um, and it's been hard. And financially, it has been a challenge. And I've I've had to take uh, you know some per diem shifts at a at a urgent care center to work at night just uh, to have some sort of income. And I think what has really kept me motivated because it, it's it's a very scary place because it was never my dream so it sort of has evolved into becoming my dream within this past year um but the two things that keep me motivated are um 
I always think about a situation uh, 20 years ago when I was a teenager and I was learning to drive a stick shift car and I remember thinking I'm never going to get it. This is not going to, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm never going to get it. And I remember being with my mom and we pulled up to someone else who was driving, another woman who was driving a stick shift. And my mom says, you know what? You see, she's doing it and she's just a regular person. If she can do it, so can you. And that just made me look at other people that have done it and think, you know, and repeat to myself, if that person can do it, so can I. And um, another funny motivator for me is the fact that prior to leaving my most recent job, as I was explaining to my office manager, you know, I'm planning to do this, I'm planning to go off on my own and really start my own practice, he just looked at me straight in the face and said, well, you're not ready. And I just remember thinking, well, you're not really any smarter or more talented than my husband and I, and if you could learn to run a practice, I think I could learn as well. And so those two things, it's funny, it has really motivated me when, when I'm discouraged to think, you know what, other people have done this. I can do this. It's, it is possible. That's wonderful. That's that's a really great story. And sometimes it does take people uh, you know, questioning you and your beliefs and your abilities to actually motivate you and to prove them wrong. Right. That's great. And uh, have you learned or experienced anything unexpected in this journey of starting your own medical practice? Yeah, there's been a few things. I mean, just really one of the fears a lot of doctors have is that really when you're in medical school, you're really just learning how to take care of patients, how to treat illnesses. You're not really learning how to run a business. No one sits down and explains anything about insurance companies, billing. I mean, doctors are out of the loop when it comes to that. And so just just learning that aspect has been – I'm still learning. I'm reading lots of books. I mean, I hear all the other books that the women are reading, and I'm thinking, gosh, my books are medical billing books and, you know, <laughs> books about how to code diagnosis, and so it's really funny. Um, but uh, the biggest obstacle was actually financial. It, it's so expensive to start a medical office, and just vaccines and equipment alone is about twenty five, thirty thousand dollars 30000 And so when we first – had to sit down and do our business plan, do our budget, um, we had to get a loan. And uh, because although I had a 401K, and it, it wasn't really enough to, to really start off this business. And so we approached banks and kept getting denied. And I was surprised because I thought, surely a doctor, they're going to give me a loan. That, that won't be a problem. And so that actually became our biggest obstacle. And our final try at a bank, I remember um, the person speaking to us, the loan officer, saying, well, is there anyone that could actually co-sign for you? And so I started thinking, well, I guess I could get my parents to, to back us up and co-sign. And then it sort of got my my brain moving a little faster, and I thought, well, if I'm going to pay the bank interest and if the, my parents are going to co-sign my loan, why don't I just ask my parents to lend me the money and I could pay them the interest. And so we approached my parents the same way we would have approached the bank and, and they have been wonderful. And, and I just think we're both benefiting from, from it because they're getting the interest and they're also able to help me launch my, my business. So it's been wonderful. But that was a really, really big challenge was the finances. And, the, and there again is another um, example of how important it is to have people in your corner who are supporting you, who are backing you up, whether it's, uh, you know, your spouse, a, a mentor, a friend, or, you know, family members who are able to, you know, help provide the capital so, so that you can launch your own business. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've been, I, I can't speak more highly of them. They've been so supportive and so wonderful with all this. Well, Dr. Otero, thank you so much for sharing. And I, I want to ask um, all of our uh, guests one question. I'm going to start with you because I already uh, have you on the line. Mm-hmm. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, the question I, I want to ask you is what is your definition of success? Okay. Well, for me, it's not so much financial. I, I've never had that dream of becoming the, you know, the rich doctor. And it's funny you were saying about sailing off. That that's never been my dream. I think um, 
just to be able to go to work and be happy about going to work and not worried about who's going to, who do you need to report to or, um, you know, things like that. Not, the other thing is not allowing your job to affect your family and home life, you know, sort of being, when you own your own business, it doesn't own you anymore and, and not allowing your business to own you. And so I think it's, just being able to get satisfaction from going to work and not letting it affect your family. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. And Denise, are you still on? Yes, I'm here. What is your definition of success? My definition of success is is really not having that one thing or that one space or place that makes me successful. Uh, right now, I'm still going through a huge evolutionary process of really understanding and pulling back the layers like an onion and really understanding that this is an ongoing, lifelong process, and I hope to learn something new every day. I don't want to become the expert where, okay, that's it. You've reached the end of the road. Um, this is it. This is what you've got. I, I want to keep going, and, and, and doing this project, I, I've, I've learned that the best criticism is is really opening up to wanting the criticism and to understanding that it can help and be a benefit. So my project right now, I started off one way. Guess what? It's already going a different way, and it's already um, on, a, on a stage of evolution already, and it's very new and it's very young. So that's that's what's very important to me, that I'm not going to be this, you know, one-spot, one-level person, you know, Ph.D. candidate, whatever, I'm still going to be able to learn and evolve this process. Great, thank you. And Tracy, what's your definition of success? Okay, well, my definition, um, really success to me is really looking at my life and respecting and appreciating what I've achieved so far. Um, It's also about having the drive to continue to live live a purpose-driven life. And um, most importantly, not measuring myself by uh, what others are doing, but, you know, appreciating my own individual contribution to this world so far. I think that, um, for me, uh, it's helping people. And where I am, I'm, I'm for the first time in, in my life, in a long time, I'm very happy with where I am. Wow, that's Wonderful. And uh, Maisha, can you tell me what your definition of success is? Sure. Um, you know, obviously success is different for everyone and, and different at different times in your life possibly, but right now it's it's waking up in the morning and, and doing what I don't mind doing, but getting paid enough to do it, to pay your bills on time, taking care of your family, and enjoying some fun time too because you have to take care of your yourself as well. So you have to be able to do this and still maintain your physical health and your mental health. And if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you can't take care of yourself. So that's really it, waking up in the morning and doing what what I don't mind doing. That's wonderful. And, um, you know, listening to all four of you, I've definitely picked up on some common themes. Uh, For example, uh, one is just life circumstances sometimes uh, pushes you into a direction that you didn't think you were ever going to go in. Uh, the second thing I picked up is that you each had to do some soul-searching, and that soul-searching might have been something that you did on your own, but um, a lot of that soul-searching also might have included a partner, a spouse, uh, and in that soul-searching, you had to also consider not only how it was going to impact you, but you had to consider to impact your family, and, uh, and it was scary, but you went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, and another theme is that you each surrounded yourselves with uh, like-minded people who were going to support you. And, Denise, you, you were the only one who actually said that you had to let go of some people or leave some people behind uh, yes. in order to make some of those changes so that you are surrounded with uh, what uh, Tracy called success-minded individuals, which I thought was uh, yes. And you all talked about it being a learning process and a couple of you mentioned books that you've read, and uh, Tracy, you, you were great enough to actually share the names of some of those books, and one of those books has actually helped me tremendously, which is Think and Grow Rich. 
and also uh, managing your time and, and also understanding the value of time when you're an entrepreneur, that it's not just about nine to five, that you're actually maybe working 12, 13, 14 hour days to succeed, that because you have control of your time, it's a little bit more important to be mindful of it, but it also takes a lot more of your time and energy to actually invest into building what you're, what you're planning. And uh, planning and preparation, that planning and preparation are actually key. And I actually um, recently wrote an article that's now posted on planning and preparation being key to being successful in entrepreneurship. And before we, before we uh, go, I want to just ask you ladies if you have any parting thoughts or any words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners. Well, I do. I really want to thank Tracy for talking about time management. That is just the biggest component of, of my life right now in doing this project and this adventure that I'm doing. Time is, is just amazing, and, and I can go off and take care of my family and be responsible and be a friend, but at the same time I've got this new project, this entrepreneur thing, this business thing, and I find myself getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I have that notebook by my bed and I'm writing down something or, you know, I'm finding myself saying, well, no, I'm not going to participate in, in this activity. I'm going to stay home because I want to really get this work done. So time is just absolutely amazing um, and it's a huge necessary component of what we're doing and it also teaches you too Tracy I don't know if it's happened for you but I've learned through time management or or not doing it well what works better or or, or change my approach on how I'm to get to you know the, the actual goal or project what I want to do so time management is really big for me exactly Ellie, I also wanted to uh, add one more thing. Sure. Uh, I wanted to, you know, one of the things that you, you had asked about um, what surprised you most about being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is for me what's surprising is the amount of people that are consciously living unconscious. Um, What You know, basically being an entrepreneur, what it's done, it's giving me a certain vantage point to see people a little differently. Um, I I think people's pain and frustration with their lives are a little more magnified. Um, And it just seems like a lot of people are living, you know, one day just kind of melts into the other, into the other, into the other. Um, And people are just collecting paychecks. There's no real purpose to what people are doing, and I believe in order for us to have, uh, you know, to keep that excitement and creativity and feeling empowered, we have to have something to look forward to every day. That's right. And so to me it's important. Um, that's why I love doing what I love, doing what I do, um, being in network marketing, because we give people – a different option in terms of learning how to being be be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, in network marketing, they offer the the training and the mindset, and it gives it definitely gives people a different view on being um, <clears throat> be, having your own business. So, you know, I just want to say that people. Uh, now in our economy is a great time to really reinvent yourself. that's true you know Tracy since I got laid off from my job two years ago I've lost weight people look at me and say I look great I have a different lifestyle I I don't eat the same foods anymore I don't do the same activities this has been a completely life-changing event for me and um, it's, it's different than what people expected I guess I was supposed to go down instead I've gone up and uh, it's just very, very interesting that people who are in that, that vicious treadmill, as I call it, they're unhappy. They're prone, more prone to illness and stress-related illnesses, and they're not feeling fulfilled. Like you said, I get up every morning, and I've, I've, got, I've got a goal. I've got something to do. <laughs> and that's really encouraging. And I think we have one uh, call from a caller. I'm going to bring them on air, see if they do have a question, and then we'll wrap up. So hold on one second. I have a caller with a three four seven seven six eight exchange. Do you have a question? Hi, um, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hi, my name is Ismael, and I'm calling to wish you the best, Ellie. It's Ishmael Ish. 
um, <laughs> everything's going well, and I also um, want to congratulate all the women on the show. Uh, being raised by a single mom, um, I want to thank you all for being uh, inspiring role models for even men who are uh, young professionals like myself. Um, and I want to give a special shout-out to Dr. Otero, who is uh, <laughs> formerly uh, a former doctor of my son, Ismael Malave. He's, uh, he was at Montefiore. Uh, <laughs> Yes, and um, I know you when you were Dr. Carasquillo. So, like, yes, that's right. Yes. So, <laughs> God bless you. Far, huh? What a small world. It's a small world. God bless you and your new venture, and I wish you all the best. And, Ellie, congratulations on your show. Thank you, Ish. It was great to have you on. Thank you, Ish. Thank you. Bye-bye. Could I, could I add something to that? Sure, absolutely. Oh, what I wanted to add also was um, there is a scripture in the Bible that helps me a lot. It's, it says, um, when with many advisors, victory is sure. And I think one of the things that has helped me so much is I've gone and asked. I just ask any doctor I run into if, that has their own practice, how did you do it? How did you start it off? And I've even gone and asked doctors who have left their private practice, why did you leave? What was the hardest thing? And I think that that has been really instrumental for me because it's helped me learn from seeing, uh, you know, other people's mistakes and the things that people do well. So getting advice has been really, really instrumental to my practice. That's great. Uh, well, ladies, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insight and a lot of your personal experiences. Uh, you're definitely an inspiration uh, to me and to all of our callers and those people that are going to tune in after the show. The show is going live right now. We actually have a really great listenership right now. I'm, I'm looking for my switchboard. But people are going to li listen to this later on, and, and this is going to be a tremendous benefit. So thank you so much for being uh, insightful and willing to share your personal stories with us. That's really great. And uh, to all my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And as I mentioned earlier, I did write an article on examiner.com uh, on uh, some of the things that you should consider uh, if you are thinking about uh, entrepreneurship. And you can definitely look me up on examiner.com. I am the Leadership Development for Women Examiner, and you can get uh, the article there. And uh, thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed the show today. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, I would love to connect with you. You can find me on both. And thank you so much. Until next time, God bless.